the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When the heroes in Scripture, whether it's Abraham lying about his wife or David cheating on his wife, whether it's Peter denying Jesus, we see our heroes warts and all, and that's encouraging. And probably it should remind us that we don't have to play the game because our pretending never fools God. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. It's not the church. It doesn't even make logical sense that it is the church that keeps people away. It's us. It's not the message. It's the messengers. And the reality is, I think the people around us, When they ask the question, why should I bother with church? What they're asking is, why should I get involved with something that doesn't seem to really be making a difference? You see, the greatest knock, the greatest complaint against Christ's followers is not that we do wrong. I I think people assume that, except for the very small minority. I think people assume that we are all at fault, that we all fail, that we all sin on this side of heaven. I I think the complaint is that we don't do the right that we say we do. So when people talk about church and why they're not there, why they don't want to bother with it, what they're saying is, I don't want to hang out with all of those hypocrites. Those who pretend to be something they're not. People who are not Christ followers see right through the lies that Christ followers profess. That's what we're going to talk about today in the book of Acts. Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the fourth chapter of Acts. We'll read from the end of the fourth chapter and we'll be at the beginning of the fifth chapter of Dr. Luke's Acts of the apostles or acts of the Holy Spirit. I want to remind you of what happened in chapter one, Jesus went up. In chapter two, the Holy Spirit of God came down and the people went out. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. The people of God began to do great and mighty things. And at the end of Acts chapter two, we're told that the church was formed on those four pillars of discipleship and fellowship and gospel centeredness and worship. And as a result, the Lord added to the church daily. Amazing things were taking place. The people were unified. God was magnified and the church was multiplied. And that's a message that still works today. 
when, when the people are unified, when God is magnified, the church is multiplied. But I want you to understand something that's true in the life of every church and every Christ follower. When God begins to do things that only God can do, the enemy wakes up. And Satan begins to take notice. And that took place in the church in the book of Acts. That takes place in churches all across the land today. And it probably has taken place in your life. When you take those steps in the right direction, when you feel like you're doing the right thing, when you're making right choices, what happens? Boy, it's like the enemy comes after you with Gatlin guns and cannons and hand grenades. And all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose on this side of heaven. And that took place in the book of Acts. Listen to Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. Just a preview here. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? After it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you've contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. Let's pray again. God, you know my heart and mind, and you know that even as a child, I... I didn't understand this passage. It sure seemed harsh. I guess in thinking that, I was judging you because it's you and your actions that seemed harsh. And yet today we read this, we do and do so in, in light of the awareness of the Holy Spirit and the conviction that you bring. And so our prayer is simple. May we learn our lessons from these great pretenders. God, may we be individuals and may we be the church that's not living a lie. We know we can't do that on our own, so Jesus, give us what we do not have. Teach us what we've not yet learned. Make us men and women that we've not yet become so that in our lives we might live more for your glory and less for our story. Lord, I pray that even in these moments, in order to help that happen, that you would let the words I say and even my thoughts please you. And God, I pray that as we conclude in just a few minutes, that there would be life change. I pray that for me. I pray that for every person present, for those listening and watching. And Lord, as a result, that we'd walk away different. Lord, for a person that doesn't know you here today, may this story awaken us to the fear of a holy God and the need to serve you and worship you with reverence. So Lord, may each of us submit our lives living what we've now sung. Less of us. So that we might have more of you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In a moment, we're going to come back and read the rest of this story from Acts chapter 5. But I, I want you to put into context exactly what was happening. God was judging a man. 
And as we see, as we continue to read, he then judges his spouse. He judges a wife. What does God judge? Three-letter word, quick answer. What does God judge? He judges sin. What was the sin in this case? It was lying, or really you could say it was pretending. Ananias was a great pretender. I used to like to pretend when I was a little younger. I did it a lot. I called it acting. I started out in in church children's musicals. But then in high school, I would do it in college. I would do it in the community theater. I was involved on the stage. I loved the stage. But then I began ministry, and I recognized that it's easy as a pastor to do what I, I see many Christ followers doing. It's easy for all of us to continue acting. To play a part. To do what we think people want to see us do. To say what we think they want us to say. To pretend. And that probably is what creates this crisis that we have in the world today. That much of the world doesn't see a powerful church. We see a powerless church filled with pretenders. Pretenders in the pulpit. Pretenders in the pews. Pretenders all around. It's hypocrisy. And as this story demonstrates, it's damaging. It's damaging to us as individuals, and it's damaging to the church. In the church, hypocrisy creates divisions. It causes us to war against ourselves. And it does so in our individual lives as well. The destructive path of hypocrisy is infamous. And so I can relate to what one man told me earlier in ministry. He said, I liked church better when I was nine years old, when I didn't know what was really going on. All because of this mentality of pretending. And yet in Scripture, you see, there's great peril with pretending. We can say we're playing games, but nobody wins. Let me just give you a few facts about this. Hypocrisy and pride are a deadly combination. Hypocrisy, a hypocrite is a pretender. It literally means one who wears a mask, who plays a part. And we know what pride is. Pride is fulfillment of self, focus on self, being full of self. And hypocrisy is usually motivated by pride. We're so prideful we don't want to let anyone else see the real us. We, want to, we don't want to expose who we really are, so we fake it. That's why I love how church has evolved in some ways in recent years, that at least we don't all dress up in our finest when we come together. We recognize if we're going to begin to be real about this relationship with Christ, maybe one thing we do is recognize we're all... On level ground. Pride takes place when we are focused on ourselves. And hypocrisy is deliberate deception. Sin is not hypocrisy. I need you to understand that. We all sin according to God's word. Failure to live up to your God-given potential is not hypocrisy. No one has ever lived up to their God-given potential on this side of heaven. Hypocrisy is that intentional portrayal that you are more spiritual than you are. And according to Scripture, God 
hates pride. And it leads us to fall. That's what takes place in this story. So as I prayed, at, at first glance, you hear this and you think, wow, that's harsh. I have to tell you, growing up in a pastor's home, I read this as a child. I didn't understand it because I thought, these people put something in the offering plate, Lord. I mean, really, they were supposed to give it all? I didn't understand the context that hopefully you'll walk away understanding today. And when you do understand it, you begin to say, really, Lord, why did you put this in the Bible? It kind of dampens the mood. Things were going great. The church was exploding. People were getting healed. Peter had just broken out of prayer. I mean, things were great. And then you tell this story. It reminds me of a story I've heard about Oliver Cromwell. It says that someone was commissioned to paint a portrait of him. And apparently Cromwell's face was disfigured by warts. And the artist thought he would do him a favor. And so when he painted the portrait, he took out the warts. The only problem was, when Cromwell saw it, he was furious. He called the artist to come to his presence and he said, I want you to paint it again. But this time, paint me as I am, warts and... Yeah, you've heard that phrase, warts and all. I'm so thankful that when we see the church in the New Testament, we see the church warts and all. I I think that's encouraging to us because we recognize there is no perfect church. You know that, right? If you think you find one, whatever you do, don't join it. You'll mess it up. Because there are no perfect people. There are no perfect pastors. So in the heroes in Scripture, whether it's Abraham lying about his wife or David cheating on his wife, whether it's Peter denying Jesus, we see our heroes warts and all, and that's encouraging. And probably it should remind us that we don't have to play the game. And one reason we should not play that game is because our pretending never fools God. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. You've heard this phrase before. You can fool all of the people some of the time, some of the people all of the time, but you cannot fool all of the people all the time. You can't do it. But you can go through life and you can make some people think you're something you're not. You can hide the truth, the real you, from some of the people around you, but you will never hide it from God. You just can't. Galatians puts it this way in chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not He's not mocked. Whatever one sows, he'll also reap. Hebrews 4.13, no creature, none of all God's creation is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Or way back in Numbers, Numbers 32 verse 23 says, behold, you've sinned against the Lord and be sure your sins will find you out. How often have we quoted the last half of that verse? It's that incredible biblical principle. What we cover, he will one day uncover. 
what we uncover? By his grace, he covers. Aren't you thankful for that promise in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Once a month, I'm reminded of this as I read Proverbs. When I get to Proverbs 28, verse 13, it says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Aren't you thankful for God's gift of confession? Oh, please understand, your pretending will never, never cause God to be surprised. But a third truth there is obedience always brings blessings and disobedience always creates burdens. Scripture is clear. When we live our lives according to God's way, we always, always receive blessings. But it's probably appropriate that we stop right there and make sure you understand a definition of blessings. What is a blessing? A blessing is either that tangible or untangible favor of God on your life. It may be something material, but it may not. It may just be that God demonstrates his presence and his care for you in a supernatural way that is felt for you no matter what you are experiencing in the moment. And when you walk in obedience, scripture is clear. It's not the prosperity gospel. It is clear though, obedience always brings blessings. Equally so is the reality that disobedience always creates an environment that is burdensome. And a great example of this is found in the book of Malachi. You remember the prophets talking to the children of Israel. They have been disobedient. And he says in chapter 3 and verse 9, You're cursed with a curse. You are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And therefore put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down on you a blessing until there is no need. So remember the context. They were not being faithful with what God had given them. The principle had been what was called the tithe, a word that has specific meaning. Some of you may not understand that. The word tithe literally means one-tenth. So when we say we tithe today, what we're saying is that we're giving one-tenth of what we have. That's what the word means. It doesn't mean the same thing as a tip, which means just you want to you do what you want to do. A tithe has specific meaning. So the people of God of their first fruits were to give first one-tenth of what they had back to God, and they weren't doing it. So the prophet says, let me be clear, you're, you're not robbing man, you're not robbing the priest or the people who gather in the temple, you're robbing God. So get it right, he said. And when you do, he says, just test God and see if he will not bless you. See if he will not provide in a supernatural way in your life. I've seen that in my life. Some of you have seen that, those moments when you feel like, ah, I can't write the check this week. I don't know how it's going to work. God, I don't think I can be faithful. And yet as you step out in faith, God does what only he can do. Before I move past that, let me just tell you, someone asked, well, what about that tithe thing? Is that still a principle that we follow in light of the New Testament? Jesus was asked, Matthew 23, 23, what about all these other offerings and the tithe? And Jesus said, yes, tithe, Matthew 23, 23, but don't stop there. See, in the New Testament, we have what I would call as grace giving. And in light of God's grace, we're never going to do less than what we would have done under the law. We always want to be at least that generous, at least that sacrificial in our giving. And the result of disobedience 
If the result of obedience is blessing, the result of disobedience is that curse or or that burden that Malachi referred to. And, And we know that from sin, right? Hey, do me a favor. Be bold enough to raise your hand if you've ever experienced a negative consequence of sin in your life. Yeah, sin always takes us further than we want to go. Sin always keeps us longer than we want to stay. Sin always costs us more than we want to pay. There are always consequences. And ultimately, according to the gospel, in Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death. So that's the stakes. That's why this is a big deal. And let's talk about the perils of pretending. And let's go back to the story. I want you to get the context. So we're looking back at chapter 4, beginning in verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. What a great description of the church. To be able to say, great grace was among them all. I want to remind you of what happened in chapter 3. Peter had just healed a lame man. When he healed the lame man, the guy went running through the temple. And everybody said, hey, isn't that a guy that's been lame all of his life? Used to lay there begging. and, And it was. So Peter stood up and said, hey, let me just tell you. Don't think that was me. And he preached his second message. And it was all about. It was all about Jesus. Thank you. He preached his second message. It was all about Jesus. He challenged them to repent, to turn back to God so that they might know seasons of refreshing. And he did. And in the beginning of chapter 4, we we see that that created a controversy. And when there is real life change, that's always going to create a storm. It's, it's kind of like what we've been seeing in the news, these tornadoes going across the Midwest. What have they come from? What I learned in elementary school is it's that mixture of hot air and cold air that's taking place. That's why this afternoon when I get in the car with my wife and, and we begin to go on a trip, when she turns her heat on and I have my air conditioning on, I will inevitably say, stop it. We're about to cause a tornado. It's a colliding, it's a colliding of two forces. And that's what happens... That's what happens, right, when a person turns to Christ. There's a collision, and and the world notices that collision. So at the beginning of chapter 4, we see that take place, and and the the religious leaders are not happy. They're mad because Peter has just been preaching about the resurrection of Christ. They did not like that. Why would they not like that? Because they're the ones that hung him on the cross. And so if he was raised from the dead, that's not good news for them, right? So there's this whole skirmish. That's settled And the church begins again to flourish at the end of chapter 4. And they're taking care of one another. And I would just tell you, I read even this week as I was looking through social media, just someone's disillusionment with the church. And I never want to excuse anyone's own uh, sinful choices. But I would just tell you, if we as a church look like what's described at the end of chapter 4, I believe greater grace would be among us caring for one another, meeting one another's needs. I just, I don't think we do that well. But generous giving always results in greater grace, according to Scripture. Verse 34. 
There was a needy person, there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, and they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means sons of encouragement, a Levi, a native of Cyprus, he sold a field that belonged to him, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Oh, don't you love Barnabas? No book in the Bible written by Barnabas, and yet we wouldn't have most of the New Testament were it not for Barnabas. Why? He was an encourager. He was one who invested in others. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, You're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at MissionHillChurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.